0: The Third and Last Book of Magic or Occult Philosophy Written by Henry Cornelius Agrippa Read by Graham Dunlop Audio Editing by Darren Grimes Chapter 1 Of The Necessity, Power, and Profit of Religion Now it is time to turn our pen to higher matters and to that part of magic which teacheth us to know and perfectly understand the rules of religion, and how we ought to obtain the truth by divine religion, and how rightly to prepare our mind and spirit, by which only we can comprehend the truth. For it is a common opinion of the magicians, that unless the mind and spirit be in good case, the body cannot be in good health. But then a man, to be truly sound when body and soul are so coupled, and agree together, that the firmness of the mind and spirit be not inferior to the powers of the body. But a firm and stout mind, saith Hermes, can we not otherwise obtain? Then by integrity of life, by piety, and last of all by divine religion. For holy religion purgeth the mind, and maketh it divine. It helpeth nature, and strengtheneth natural powers. As a physician helpeth the health of the body. And a husbandman, the strength of the earth. Whosoever, therefore, religion being laid aside, do consider only in natural things, are wont very oft to be deceived by evil spirits. But from the knowledge of religion, the contempt and cure of vices ariseth, and a safeguard against evil spirits. To conclude, nothing is more pleasant and acceptable to God than a man perfectly pious and truly religious, who so far excelleth other men. As he himself is distant from the immortal gods. Therefore, we ought, being first purged, to offer and commend ourselves to divine piety and religion, and then, our senses being asleep, with a quiet mind, to expect that divine ambrosian nectar, nectar, I say, which Zachary the prophet calleth wine making maids merry, praising and adoring that supercelestial Bacchus, the chiefest ruler of the gods and priests the author of Regeneration, whom the old poets sang was twice born, from whom rivers most divine flow into our hearts. Chapter 2. Of Concealing of Those Things Which Are Secret in Religion Whosoever therefore thou art, that now desireth to study these science, keep silence, and constantly conceal within the secret closest of your religious breast. So holy a determination, for, as Mercury saith, to publish to the knowledge of many a speech thoroughly filled with so great majesty of the deity, is a sign of an irreligious spirit. And divine Plato commanded that holy and secret mysteries should not be divulged to the people. Pythagoras also and Porphyrius consecrated their followers to a religious silence. Orpheus also, within a certain terrible authority of religion, did exact an oath of silence, and from those he did initiate to the ceremonies of holy things. Whence, in the verses concerning the holy word, he sings You, that admirers are of virtue, stay. Consider well what I to you shall say, but you, that sacred laws contem, profane, away from hence, return no more again. But thou, O Muses, whose mind is high, observe my words and read them with thine eye. And then within thy sacred breast repone, and in thy journey think of God alone, the author of all things that cannot die, of whom we shall not treat. So in Virgil we read of the Sibyl, The goddess comes, hence, hence, all ye profane, the prophet cries, and from her grove refrain. Hence also, in celebrating the holy mysteries of Ceres Eleusinian, they only were admitted to be initiated, The crier proclaiming the profane vulgar to depart. And in Esdras, we read this precept concerning the Kabbalistic secret of the Hebrews, declared in these verses, Thou shalt deliver these books to the wise men of the people, whose hearts thou knowest can comprehend them and keep those secrets. Therefore the religious volumes of the Egyptians and those belonging to the secrets of their ceremonies were made of consecrated paper. In these they did write down letters, which might not easily be known, which they call holy, Macrobius, Marcellanus, and others say they were called hieroglyphics least perchance the writings of this kind should be known to the profane, which also Apuleius testifies in these words, saying, The sacrifice being ended from a secret retired closet, he bringeth forth certain books noted with obscure letters, affording compendious words of the conceived speech, partly by the figures of beasts of this kind, partly by figures full of knots, and crooked in the manner of a wheel and set thick, twining about like vine tendrils, the reading thereby being defended from the curiosity of the profane. Therefore we shall be worthy scholars of this science, if we be silent and hide those things which are secret in religion, for the promise of silence, as saith Tertullian, is due to religion. But they which do otherwise are in a very great danger, whence Apuleius saith concerning secrets of holy writs. I would tell you, if it were lawful to tell, You should know it, if it were lawful to hear it. But both ears and tongue would contract the same guilt of rash curiosity. So we read Theodorus, the tragic poet, when he would have referred some things of the mysteries of the Jews' scripture to a certain fable, was deprived of sight. Theopompus, also who began to translate some things out of the divine law into the Greek tongue, was presently troubled in mind and spirit, Whence afterward, earnestly desiring God, wherefore this had happened to him, received an answer in a dream, because he had basely polluted divine things by setting them forth in public. One Numenius, also being very curious of hidden things, incurred the displeasure of the divine powers, because he interpreted the holy mysteries of the goddesses, Eleusinia, and published them, for he dreamed that the goddesses of Eleusinia stood in a horror's habit before the brothel-house, which when he wondered at, they wrathfully answered, that they were by him violently drawn from their modesty and prostituted everywhere to all comers, by which he was admonished, that the ceremonies of the gods ought not to be divulged. Therefore it hath always been the great care of the ancients to wrap up the mysteries of God and nature, and hide them with diverse enigmas. Which law the Indians, Brahmins, Ethiopians, Persians, and Egyptians also observed. Hence, Mercurius, Orpheus, and all the ancient poets and philosophers, Pythagoras, Socrates, Plato, Aristinus, Ammonius, kept them inviolable. Hence, Plotinus and Origenes, and the other disciples of Ammonius, as Porphyry relates in his book of the education and disciple of Plotinus swear never to set forth the decrees of their master. And because Plotinus, broke his oath made to Ammonius, and published his mysteries, for the punishment of his transgression he was consumed, as they say, by the horrible disease of lice. Christ also himself, when he lived on earth, spoke after that manner and fashion that only the more intimate disciples should understand the mystery of the word of God. But the others should perceive the parables only commanding moreover that holy things should not be given to dogs, nor perilous cast to swine. Therefore the prophet saith, I have hid thy words in thy heart, that I might not sin against thee. Therefore it is not fit that those secrets which are amongst a few wise men, and communicated by mouth only, should be publicly written. Wherefore you will pardon me, if I pass over in silence many of the chiefest secret mysteries of ceremonial magic. I suppose I shall do enough, if I open those things which are necessary to be known, and you, by the reading of this book, go not away altogether empty of these mysteries, but on that condition let these things be communicated to you, on which Dionysius bound Timothy, that they which perceive these secrets would not expose them to the unworthy, but gather them together amongst wise men, and keep them with the reverence that is due to them. Furthermore, I would also warn you in the beginning that even as the divine powers detest public things and profane and love secrecy, so every magical experiment fleeth the public, seeks to be hid, is strengthened by silence, but is destroyed by publication, neither doth any complete effect follow after. All these things suffer loss, when they are poured into prating and incredulous minds. Therefore it behooveth a magical operator, if he would get fruit from this art, to be secret, and to manifest to none, either his work nor place, nor time, neither his desire nor will, unless either to a master or partner or companion, who also ought to be faithful, believing silent and dignified by nature and education seeing that even the prating of a companion, his incredulity and unworthiness, hindereth and disturbeth the effects in every operation. Chapter 3. What Dignification is Required, That One May Be a True Magician and a Worker of Miracles? About the beginning of the first book of this work, we have spoken what manner of a person a magician ought to be, But now we will declare a mystical and secret matter necessary for everyone who desireth to practice this art, which is both the beginning, perfection, and key of all magical operations. And it is the dignifying of men to this so sublime virtue and power, for this faculty requireth in a man a wonderful dignification, for that the understanding which is in us, the highest faculty of the soul, is the only worker of wonders which when it is overwhelmed by too much commerce with the flesh, and busied about the sensible soul of the body, is not worthy of the command of divine substances. Therefore many prosecute this art in vain. Therefore it is meet that we who endeavor to attain to so great a height should especially meditate of two things. First, how we should leave carnal affections, frail sense, and material passions. Secondly, by what way and means we may ascend to an intellect pure and conjoined with the powers of the gods, without which we shall never happily ascend to the scrutiny of secret things, and to the power of wonderful workings or miracles. For in these dignification consists wholly, which nature desert, and a certain religious art do make up. Natural dignity is the best disposition of the body and its organs not obscuring the soul with any grossness, and being without all distemper, and this proceedeth from the situation, motion, light, and influence of the celestial bodies and spirits, which are conversant in the generation of every one, as are those whose ninth house is fortunate by Saturn, Soul, and Mercury. Mars also in the ninth house commandeth the spirits, but concerning these things we have largely treated in the books of the stars. But whoso is not such a one, it is necessary that he recompense the defector of nature by education, and the best ordering and prosperous use of natural things, until he become complete in all intrinsical and extrinsical perfections. Hence so great care is taken in the law of Moses concerning the priest, that he be not polluted by a dead carcass, or by a woman, a widow, or menstruous, that he be free from leprosy flux of blood, burstness, and be perfect in all his members, not blind, nor lame, nor crook-backed, or with an ill-favoured nose. And Apuleius saith in his apology, that the youth to be initiated to divination by magic spells ought to be chosen, sound without sickness, ingenious, comely, perfect in his members, of a quick spirit, eloquent in speech that in him the divine power might be conversant, as in the good houses. That the mind of the youth having quickly attained experience may be restored to its divinity. But the meritorious dignity is perfected by two things, namely learning and practice. The end of learning is to know the truth. It is to meet, therefore, as is spoken in the beginning of the first book. That he be learned and skilled in those three faculties then all impediments being removed, wholly to apply his soul to contemplation and to convert itself into itself, for there is even in our own selves the apprehension and power of all things. But we are prohibited, so as that we little enjoy these things, by passions opposing us even from our birth, and vain imaginations and immoderate affections, which being expelled, the divine knowledge and power presently takes place. But the religious operation obtains no less efficacy which oft-times of itself alone is sufficiently powerful for us to obtain this deifying virtue. So great is the virtue of holy duties rightly exhibited and performed, that though they not be understood, yet piously and perfectly observed, and with a firm faith believed, they have no less efficacy than to adorn us with a divine power. But what dignity is acquired by the art of religion, is perfected by certain religious ceremonies, expiations, consecrations, and holy rites, proceeding from him whose spirit the public religion hath consecrated, who hath power of imposition of hands, and of initiating with sacramental power, by which the character of the divine virtue and power stamped on us, which they have called the divine consent of which a man supported with the divine nature, and made, as it were, a companion of the angels, beareth the ingrafted power of God. And this rite is referred to the ecclesiastical mysteries. If therefore now thou shalt be a man perfect in the sacred understanding of religion, and piously and most constantly meditatest on it, and without doubting believest, and art such an one on whom the authority of holy rites and nature hath conferred dignity above others, and one whom the divine powers contemn not, thou shalt be able to by praying, consecrating, sacrificing, invocating, to attract spiritual and celestial powers, and to imprint them on those things thou pleasest, and by it to vivify every magical work, But whosoever beyond the authority of his office, without the merit of sanctity and learning, beyond the dignity of nature and education, shall presume to work anything in magic, shall work in vain, and deceiveth both himself and those that believe on him, and with the danger incur the displeasure of the divine powers. Chapter 4 Of the Two Helps of Ceremonial Magic, Religion, and Superstition There are two things which rule every operation of ceremonial magic, namely religion and superstition. This religion is a continual contemplation of divine things, and by good works and uniting oneself with God and the divine powers, by which, in a reverent family, a service and a sanctification of worship worthy of them is performed. And also the ceremonies of divine worship are rightly exercised. Religion, therefore, is a certain discipline of external holy things and ceremonies, by the which, as it were, by certain signs, were admonished of internal and spiritual things, which is so deeply implanted in us by nature, that we may differ more from other creatures. By this, then, rationality, whosoever, therefore, neglects religion, as we have spoken before, and confides only in the strength of natural things, are often very deceived by the evil spirits. Therefore they who are more religiously and holily instructed, neither set the tree nor plant their vineyard, nor undertake any mean work without divine invocation. As the doctor of the nations commands the Colossians, saying, Whatsoever you shall do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him to the God, the Father, by him. Therefore, to superadd the powers of religion to physical and mathematical virtues is so far from a fault that not to join them is a henuous sin. Hence, in Libro Senatorum, saith Rabbi Hamina, he that enjoyeth any of the creatures without divine benediction is supposed by both God and the Church to have used it as taken by theft and robbery of whom it is written by Solomon. He that takes away any things violently from father and mother is a destroyer. But God is our father, and the church our mother, as it is written. Is not he thy father who possesseth thee? And elsewhere, hear my son the discipline of thy father, and despise not the law of thy mother. Nothing more displeaseth God than to be neglected and condemned. Nothing pleaseth him more. Than to be renowned and adored, hence he hath permitted no creature of the world to be without religion; all do worship God, play, as Proclus saith, frame hymns to the leaders of their order. But some things truly after a natural, others after a sensible, others irrational, others in intellectual manner, and all things in their manner according to the song of the three children, bless the Lord. But the rites and ceremonies of religion in respect of the diversity of times and places are diverse. Every religion hath something of good, because it is directed to God his Creator. And although God allows the Christian religion only, yet other worships which are undertaken for his sake, he doth not altogether reject, and leaveth them not unrewarded, if not with an eternal yet with a temporal reward, or at least doth punish them less. But he hateth, thundereth against, and utterly destroys profane persons and altogether irreligious as his enemies. For their impiety is greater than the others who follow a false and erroneous religion. For there is no religion, say Lactantius, so erroneous which hath not somewhat of wisdom in it, by which they may obtain pardon, who have kept the chiefest duty of man, if not indeed yet in intention but no man can of himself attain to the true religion, unless he be taught it of God. All worship, therefore, which is different from the true religion, is superstition. In like manner also that which giveth divine worship, either to whom it ought not, or in that manner which it ought not. Therefore we must especially take heed, at least at any time, by some perverse worship of superstition, We be envious to the Almighty God, and to the holy powers under him, for this would be not only wicked, but an act most unworthy of philosophers. Superstition, therefore, altogether, it be far different from the true religion. Yet it is not all and wholly rejected, because in many things it is even tolerated and observed by the chief rulers of religion. But I call that superstition especially, which is a certain resemblance of religion which for as much as it intimates whatsoever is in religion as miracles, sacraments, rites, observations, and such like, from whence it gets no small power and also obtains no less strength by the credulity of the operator. For how much a constant credulity can do, we have spoken in the first book, and is manifestly known to the vulgar. Therefore, superstition requireth credulity, as religion faith seeing constant credulity can do so great things as even to work miracles in opinions and false operations whosoever therefore in his religion though false yet believeth most strongly that it is true and elevates his spirit by reason of this credulity until it be assimilated to those spirits who are the chief leaders of that religion may work those things which nature and reason discern not but in credulity and diffidence doth weaken every work not only in superstition, but also in true religion, and enervates the desired effect even of the most strong experiments. But how superstition imitateth religion, these examples declare, namely when worms and locusts are excommunicated, that they hurt not the fruits, when bells and images are baptized and such like. But because the old magicians and those who were the authors of this art amongst the ancients have been Chaldeans, Egyptians, Assyrians, Persians, and Arabians, all whose religion was perverse and polluted idolatry, we must very much take heed, lest we should permit their errors to war against the grounds of the Catholic religion. For this were blasphemous and subject to the curse. And I also should be a blasphemer if I should not admonish you of these things in this science. Wheresoever therefore you shall find these things written by us, know that those things are only related out of other authors, and not put down by us for truth, but for a probable conjecture which is allied to truth, and an instruction for imitation in those things which are true. Therefore we ought from their errors to collect the truth, which work truly requireth a profound understanding, a perfect piety, and painful and laborious diligence, and also wisdom, which knoweth, out of every evil to extract good, and to fit oblique things unto the right use of those things which it governeth. As concerning this Augustine gives us an example of a carpenter, to whom oblique and complicate things are no less necessary and convenient than the straight. Chapter 5 Of the three guides of religion which bring us to the path of truth. There are three guides which bring us even to the paths of truth, and which rule all our religion, in which it wholly consisteth, namely love, hope, and faith. For love is the chariot of the soul, the most excellent of all things, descending from the intelligences, above even to the most inferior things. It congregates and converts our mind into the divine beauty preserves us also in all our works, gives us events according to our wishes, administereth power to our supplications. As we read in Homer, Apollo heard Christian's prayer because he was his very great friend. And some read of Mary Magdalene in the gospel. Many sins were forgiven her because she loved much. But hope, immovable, hanging on those things it desireth, when it is certain and not wavering, nourisheth the mind and perfecteth it. But faith, the superior virtue of all, not grounded on human fictions, but divine revelations wholly, pierceth all things through the whole world, for seeing it descends from above from the first light and remains nearest to it, is far more noble and excellent than the arts and sciences and beliefs arising from inferior things this being darted into our intellect by reflection from the first light. To conclude, by faith man is made somewhat the same with the superior powers, and enjoyeth the same power with them. Hence Proclus saith, As belief which is a credulity is below science, so belief which is a true faith is supersubstantially above all science and understanding, conjoining us immediately to God. For faith is the root of all miracles, by which alone as the Platonists testify, we approach to God and obtain the divine power and protection. So we read that Daniel escaped the mouths of the lions, because he believed on his God. So to the woman with the bloody issue saith Christ, thy faith has made thee whole. And of the blind man desiring sight, he required faith, saying, Do ye believe that I can open your eyes? So Pallas and Homer comforteth Achilles with these words, I am come to pacify your wrath, if you will believe. Therefore, Linus, the poet, sings all these things are to be believed. Because all things are easy to God, nothing is impossible to him, therefore nothing incredible. Therefore, we, believing those things which belong to religion, do obtain the virtue of them. But when we shall fail in our faith, we shall do nothing worthy admiration, but of punishment. As we have an example of this in Luke, in these words. Therefore certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We abjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who art thou? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, and overcame them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Chapter 6. How by these guides the soul of man ascendeth up into the divine nature, and is made a worker of miracles. Therefore our mind, being pure and divine, inflamed with a religious love, adorned with hope, directed by faith, placed in the height and top of the humane soul, doth attract the truth, and suddenly comprehended, and beholdeth all the stations, grounds, causes, and sciences of things, both natural and immortal, in the divine truth itself, as it were in a certain glass of eternity. Hence it comes to pass that we, though natural, know these things which are above nature, and understand all things below. And as it were by divine oracles, receive the knowledge, not only of those things which are, but also of those that are past and to come, presently and many years hence. Moreover, not only in sciences, arts, and oracles the understanding challengeth to itself this divine virtue, but also receiveth this miraculous power and certain things by command to be changed. Hence it comes to pass that, though we are framed a natural body, yet we sometimes predominate over nature and cause such wonderful, soudain, and difficult operations. As that evil spirits obey us, the stars are disordered, the heavenly powers compelled, the elements made obedient. So devout men and those elevated by the theological virtues, command the elements, drive away fogs, raise the winds, cause rain, cure diseases, and raise the dead, all which things to have been done amongst diverse nations, poets, and historians do sing and relate, and that these things may be done. All the famousest philosophers and theologians do confirm. So the prophets, apostles, and the rest were famous by the wonderful power of God. Therefore, we must know that, as by the influx of the first agent is produced oftentimes something without the cooperation of the middle causes, so also by the work of religion alone may something be done without the application of natural and celestial virtues. But no man can work by pure religion alone, unless he be made totally intellectual. But whosoever, without the mixture of other powers, worketh by religion alone, if he shall preserveth long in the work, is swallowed up by the divine power, and cannot live long. But whosoever shall attempt this and not be purified, doth bring upon himself judgment, and is delivered to the evil spirit, to be devoured. Chapter 7. That the knowledge of the true God is necessary for a magician, and what the old magicians and philosophers have thought concerning God. Seeing that the being and operation of all things depend on the Most High God, Creator of all things, from thence also on the other divine powers, to whom also is granted a power of fashioning and creating, not principally indeed but instrumentally by virtue of the first creator. For the beginning of everything is the first cause, but what is produced by the second causes is much more produced by the first, which is the producer of the second causes, which therefore we call secondary gods. It is necessary, therefore, that every magician know that very God, which is the first cause, and creator of all things, and also the other gods, or divine powers which we call the second causes, and not to be ignorant with what adoration, reverence, holy rites, conformable to the condition of everyone, they are to be worshipped. Whosoever therefore invocates the gods, and doth not confer on them their due honour, nor rightly distribute to them what belongs to them, shall neither enjoy their presence nor any successful effect from them, as in harmony if one string be broken, the whole music jars, and sometimes incurs the hazard of punishment, as it is written of the Assyrians, whom Salmanazar planted in Samaria. Because they knew not the customs of the god of the land, the Lord did send lions among them, who slew them, because they were ignorant of the rights of the god of the land. Now therefore let us see what the old magicians and philosophers thought concerning God. For we read that Nicocriante, a tyrant of Cyprus, long since asking, Who was the greatest God? The Serapian oracle answered him, That he was to be accounted the greatest God, whose head was the heavens, the seas his belly, the earth his feet, his ears placed in the sky, his eyes the light of the glorious sun. Not much unlike to this, Orpheus sang in these verses, The heavens, Jove's royal palace, he's king, fountain, virtue, and god of everything. He's omnipotent, and in his breast, earth, water, fire, and air do take their rest. Both night and day, true wisdom and sweet love, are all contained in this vast bulk of Jove. His neck and glorious head, if you would see, behold the heavens high in majesty. The glorious rays of stars do represent his golden locks and head's adornment. And elsewhere, bright Phoebus and the moon are the two eyes of this great Jove by which all things he spies. His head, which predicts all, is placed if the sky, from which no noise can whisper secretly, it pierceth all, his body vast extends, both far and wide, and knows no bound nor ends. THE SPACIOUS AIRS, HIS BREAST, HIS WINGS, THE WIND, BY WHICH HE FLIES FAR SWIFTER THAN THE MIND. HIS BELLY IS OUR MOTHER EARTH, WHO SWELLS INTO HUGE MOUNTAINS, WHOM THE OCEAN fills, AND CIRCLES. HIS FEET ARE THE ROCKS AND STONES, WHICH OF THIS GLOBE ARE THE FOUNDATIONS. THIS JOVE UNDER THE EARTH CONCEALS ALL THINGS, AND FROM THE DEPTH INTO THE LIGHT THEM BRINGS. THEREFORE THEY HAVE THOUGHT THE WHOLE WORLD TO BE JUPITER, and truly he hath produced the soul of this world, which containeth the world in itself. Hence Sophocles saith, In truth there is but one only God, who hath made this heaven and this spacious earth. And Euripides saith, Behold the Most High, who everywhere embraceth in his arms the immeasurable heaven and earth. Believe that he is Jupiter, account him God. And Aeneas the poet sings, Behold this bright, sublime, shining, whom all call Jove. Therefore the whole world is Jupiter, as Porphyry saith, a creature made of all creatures, and a god constituted of all gods. But Jupiter is, so far as we can understand, from whence all things are produced, creating all things by his wisdom. Hence Orpheus sings concerning the holy word. There is one God, who all things hath created, preserves, and over all is elevated, He only by our mind is comprehended, and to poor mortals He never ill-intended, besides whom there no other is. And a little after, He Himself is the beginning, middle, and end, as the ancient prophets have taught us, to whom God long since delivered these things in two tables, and He calleth Him in the same verse the only great Creator and immortal. Zoroaster, likewise, in his Sacred History of the Persians, defineth God thus, God is the first of all those things which suffer neither decay nor corruption, unbegot, never dying, without parts, and most like himself, the author and promoter of all good things, the father of all, most bountiful and wise, the sacred light of justice, the absolute perfection of nature, the contriver, and wisdom thereof. Apuleius also describes him to be a king, the cause, foundation, and original, beginning of all nature, the supreme begetter of spirits, eternal, the preserver of living creatures, a father with propagation, not to be comprehended by time, place, or any other circumstance, and therefore imaginable to a few, utterable to none. From hence, therefore, Euripides commanded the highest god to be called Jupiter, through whose head Orpheus sang all things came into this light. But the other powers he supposeth to be subservient, these which are without God and separated from him, and are by the philosophers called the ministers or angels of God, and separated intelligences. Therefore they say religious worship to be due to this most high Jupiter and to him only, but to the other divine powers not to be due unless for his sake. Chapter eight What the Ancient Philosophers have Thought Concerning the Divine Trinity Augustine and Prophyri testify that the Platonists held three persons in God, the first of which they call the Father of the World, the second they call the Son, and the first mind, and so he is named by Macrobius, the third, the spirit or soul of the world, which Virgil also from Plato's opinion calleth the spirit. When he sings, Within the spirit nourisheth the mind, diffused through the whole doth in its kind, the lump both act and agitate. Plotinus and Philo deliver that the Son of God, viz., the first mind or divine intellect, floweth from God the Father, even as a word from the speaker, or as light from light. From hence it is that he is called both the word and speech, and splendor of God the Father. For the divine mind by itself, with one only and uninterrupted act, understandeth the chiefest good without any vicissitude or immediate knowledge. He generateth in himself an issue and son, who is the full intelligence, complete image of himself, and the perfect pattern of the world. Whom are John and Mercurius named the word or speech, Plato, the son of God the Father, Orpheus, Pallas, born from Jupiter's brain, that is wisdom. This is the most absolute image of God the Father, yet by a certain relation or some intrinsical absolute thing, as it were begot and distinguished from the Father, who saith in Ecclesiasticus, I have proceeded from the mouth of the Most High, I am the first begot before all creatures. Iamblichus testifieth this Son to be the one and the same God with the Father in essence, namely calling God both the Father and Son of Himself. Also, Mercurius Trismegistus in Asclepius mentioneth the Son of God in diverse places. For he saith, My God and Father begat a mind, a work diverse from himself, and elsewhere unity begets unity and reflecteth his flagrant love on himself. And in Pymander, where he seemeth to prophesy of the covenant of grace to come, and of the mystery of regeneration, saith, The author of regeneration is the Son of God, the man by the will of the one, only God. And also that God is most replenished with the fruitfulness of both sexes. In like manner the Indian philosophers affirm the world to be an animal partly masculine and partly feminine. And Orpheus also calleth nature, or the Jove, of this world, both the male and female thereof, and that the gods partake of both sexes. Hence it is that in his hymns he thus salutes Minerva. You are indeed both man and woman. And Apuleius in his book of the world, out of the divinity of Orpheus, produceth this verse of Jupiter. Jove is both male and female, immortal. And Virgil, speaking of Venus, saith, I descend, and the God guiding. And elsewhere, understanding Juno or Electo, he saith, Neither was God absent from her praying. And Tibulus sings, I who profaned have the deities of Venus great. And it is reported that the people of Cassinia wonderfully adored the God moon. From this complete intelligence of supreme fecundity his love is produced, binding the intelligence with the mind, and by so much the more, by how much it is infinitely more intimate to itself than other offsprings to their parents. This is the third person, viz. the Holy Spirit. Iamblichus also brings the oracles of the Chaldeans, placing a fatherly power in God, and an emanation of the intellect from the Father. And a fiery love proceeding from Father and Son, and the same to be God. Hence we read in Plutarch that the Gentiles described God to be an intellectual and fiery spirit, having no form, but transforming himself into whatsoever he pleaseth, equalizing himself to all things. And we read in Deuteronomy, Our God is a consuming fire, of whom also Zoroaster saith, All things were begot of fire alone. So also Heraclitus and Ephesian teacheth; hence, divine Plato hath placed God's habitation in fire, namely, understanding the unspeakable splendour of God in Himself and love about Himself. And we read in Homer the heavens to be the kingdom of Jupiter when he sings, "Jove darkening clouds and raining in the sky," and the same elsewhere. The lot of Jove, the heaven, is to the air he sits. But ether is derived, according to the Greek grammar, from aethel, which signifies to burn, and air er spiritus quasi aether, that is, a burning spirit. And therefore Orpheus calleth the heaven pyrophon, that is, a fiery breathing place. Therefore the Father, Son, and the amiable spirit, which is also fiery, are by the divines called three persons whom Orpheus also in his adjurations invocateth with these words, Heaven, I admire thee, thou wise work of the great God. I abjure thee, O thou word of the Father, which he first spake where he established the whole world by his wisdom. Hesiod also confesseth the same things under the names of Jupiter, Minerva, and Bule in his Theogony, declaring the twofold birth of Jupiter in these words. The first daughter, called Tritonia, with grey eyes, having equal power with the father, and prudent Bule, that is, counsel, which Orpheus in the forenamed verses pronounceth plurally, because of his twofold emanation, for he proceedeth both from Jupiter and Minerva. And Augustine himself, in his fourth book, De civit Dei, doth testify that Porphyry, the Platonist, placed three persons in God. The first he calls the Father of the universe the second, the first mind, and Macrobius, the son, the third, the soul of the world, which Virgil, according to Plato's opinion, calleth a spirit, saying, The spirit within maintains. Therefore it is God, as Paul saith, from whom, in whom, by whom are all things. For from the Father, as from the fountain flow all things, but in the sun, as in a pool, all things are placed in their ideas. Chapter 9 What the true and most orthodox faith is concerning God and the most holy Trinity The Catholic doctors and faithful people of God have decreed that we ought thus to believe and profess that there is one only true God, in Create, Infinite, Omnipotent, Eternal Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three persons, co-eternal and co-equal, of one most simple essence, substance, and nature. This is the Catholic faith. This is the Orthodox religion. This is the Christian truth, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. The Father begat the Son from all eternity and gave him his substance and nevertheless retained it himself. The Son also, by being begot, received the substance of the Father, but assumed not the proper person of the Father. For the Father translated it not into the Son, for they are both of one and the same substance, but of diverse persons. The Son also, although he be the co-eternal with the Father, and begot of the substance of the Father before the world, yet notwithstanding was born into the world out of the substance of a virgin and his name was called Jesus, perfect God, perfect man, of a reasonable soul and humane flesh, who in all things was man, sin excepted. Therefore, it is necessary that we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, one person, two natures. God begot before the world without a mother, man born into the world without a father, from a pure virgin. Both before and after his birth, he suffered on the cross and died, but on the cross restored life and destroyed death by his death. He was buried and descended into hell, but brought forth the souls of the fathers from hell and rose again by his own power. The third day he ascended into the heavens and sent his spirit, the Comforter, and shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And at his coming all men shall rise again in their flesh, and shall give an account of their works. This is the true faith, concerning which if any man doubt, and not firmly believe, he is far from the hope of eternal life and salvation. Chapter 10. Of divine emanations, which the Hebrews call numerations, other attributes, the Gentiles, gods, and deities, and of the ten sephiroths, and ten most sacred names of God which rule them, and the interpretation of them. God himself, though he be trinity in persons, yet is but one only simple essence. Notwithstanding, we doubt not but that there are in him many divine powers, which as beams flow from him, which the philosophers of the Gentiles call gods, the Hebrew masters numerations, we name attributes, as wisdom, which Orpheus calls Pallas, understanding, which he Mercury, the conception of the form, which he Saturn, the productive power, which he Neptune, the secret nature of things, which he Juno, love, which he Venus, pure life, which he the Sun, or Apollo, the matter of the whole world he calleth Pan. The soul, as it engendereth things below, contemplateth things above and retracteth itself into itself. He honoured with three names, Viz, Maris, Neptune, and Ocean, and more of this kind, of which he sings elsewhere. Pluto and Jupiter and Phoebus are one. But why do we speak twice? God's one alone. And of the same Valerius Soranus sang, Omnipotent Jove, the God and the King of Kings, the Father of the gods, one yet all things. Therefore the most prudent theologians of the Gentiles did worship the one God, under diverse names and powers, yea, diverse sexes, whom, as Pliny saith, frail and weak mortality hath digested unto more, being mindful of his one frailty, that every man might worship that portion which he especially wanteth. So those who had need of faith invocated Jupiter, that they wanted providence. Apollo, Wisdom, Minerva. And so as they wanted other things, they invocated other powers. Hence arose that great variety of deities, by reason of the many and diverse distribution of graces. But God is one, from whom all things. Therefore Apuleius, in his book *De Mundo to Faustin, saith, Whereas there is but one God and one power, yet he is named by diverse names. For the multitude of species, by whose variety he is made of many shapes, and Marcus Varro, in his book of the worship of God, saith As all souls are reduced to the one soul of the world or universe, so are all the gods referred to Jupiter, who is the same God, worshipped under diverse names. Therefore, it is meet to know the sensible priorities and perfectly to intellectualize them, by the way of more secret analogy. Whosoever understandeth truly the hymns of Orpheus and the old magicians shall find that they differ not from the cabalistical secrets and orthodox traditions. For whom Orpheus calls curates and unpolluted gods, Dionysius names powers. The Kabbalists appropriate them to the numeration pahad, that is, to the divine fear. So that which is en sof in the Kabbalah, Orpheus calleth might. And Typhon is the same with Orpheus as Zamael in the Kabbalah. But the Mecubales of the Hebrews, the most learned in divine things, have received the ten principal names of God, as certain divine powers, or as it were members of God, which by ten numerations, which they call Sephiroth, as it were vestments, instruments, or exemplars of the archetype, have an influence on all things created through the high things, even to the lowest, yet by a certain order. For first and immediately they have influence on the nine orders of angels, inquire of blessed souls, and by them into the celestial spheres, planets and men by which the sephiroth, everything, then receiveth power and virtue. The first of these is the name Ahia, the name of the divine essence. His numeration is called Kether, which is interpreted a crown or diadem, and signifieth the most simple essence of the divinity. And it is called that which the eye seeth not, and is attributed to God the Father, and hath his influence by the order of Seraphinus, or, as the Hebrews call them, Heoth Hakadosh, that is, creatures of holiness, and then by the primum mobile, bestows the gifts of being to all things. Filling the whole universe both through the circumference and center, whose particular intelligence is called Metatron, that is, the Prince of Faces, whose duty it is to bring others to the face of the Prince, and by him the Lord spake to Moses. The second name is Iod, or Tetragrammaton, joined with Iod. His numeration is Chokmah, that is, wisdom, and signifieth the divinity full of ideas, and the first begotten and is attributed to the sun, and hath his influence by the order of cherubims, or that the Hebrews call Orphanim, that is, forms or wheels, and from thence into the starry heaven, where he fabricateth so many figures as he hath ideas in himself, and distinguisheth the very chaos of the creatures by a particular intelligence called Raziel, who was the ruler of Adam. The third name is called Tetragrammaton Elohim. His numeration is named Prina, viz. Providence and understanding, and signifies remission, quietness, the jubilee, penitential conversion, a great trumpet, redemption of the world, and the life of the world to come. It is attributed to the Holy Spirit, and hath his influence by the order of the thrones, or which the Hebrews call Aralim. That is, great angels, mighty and strong, and from thence by the sphere of Saturn administereth form to the unsettled matter, whose particular intelligence is Zaphikiel, the ruler of Noah, and another intelligence named Iophiel, the ruler of Sem. And these are the three supreme and highest numerations, as it were seats of the divine persons, by whose commands all things are made, but are executed by the other seven which are therefore called the numerations framing. Therefore the fourth name is El, whose numeration is Hesed, which is clemence or goodness and signifieth grace, mercy, piety, magnificence, the scepter and right hand, and hath his influx by the order of the dominations, which the Hebrews call Hasmalin. And so through the sphere of Jupiter, fashioning the image of bodies, bestowing clemency and pacifying justice on all. His particular intelligence is Zadkiel, the ruler of Abraham. The fifth name is Elohim Gibor, that is, the mighty God punishing the sins of the wicked, and his numeration is called Geberach, which is to say power, gravity, fortitude, security, judgment, punishing by slaughter and war and it is applied to the tribunal of God, the girdle, the sword, and left hand of God. It is also called Pachad, which is fear, and hath his influence through the order of powers, which the Hebrews call Seraphim, and from thence through the sphere of Mars, to whom belongs fortitude, war, affliction. It draweth forth the elements, and his particular intelligence is Kamael, the ruler of Samson. The sixth name is Eloha. Or a name of four letters, joined with Vaduhat. His numeration is Tepareth. That is apparel, beauty, glory, pleasure, and signifieth the tree of life, and hath his influence through the order of virtues, which the Hebrews call Malachim. That is, angels into the sphere of the sun, giving brightness and life to it, and from thence producing metals his particular intelligence is Raphael, who was the ruler of Isaac and Toby the Younger, and the angel Peliel, ruler of Jacob. The seventh name is Tetragrammaton Sabbath, or Adonai Sabbath. That is the God of hosts, and his numeration is Nezah. That is triumph and victory. The right column is applied to it, and it signifies the eternity and justice of a revenging God. It hath his influence through the order of principalities, whom the Hebrews call Elohim, that is, gods, into the sphere of Venus, gives zeal and love of righteousness, and produceth vegetables. His intelligences is Hanayel, and the angel Servial, the ruler of David. The eighth is called also Elohim Sabbath which is also interpreted the God of hosts, not of war and justice, but of piety and agreement. For this name signifieth both, and proceedeth his army. The numeration of this is called Hod, which is interpreted both praise, confession, honor, and famousness. The left column is attributed to it. It hath his influence through the order of the archangels, which the Hebrews call Ben Elohim that is the sons of God, into the sphere of mercury, and gives elegancy and consonancy of speech, and produceth living creatures. His intelligence is Michael, who was the ruler of Solomon. The ninth name is called Sedai, that is omnipotent, satisfying all, and Elhai, which is the living God. His numeration is Eisod, that is foundation, and signifieth a good understanding, a covenant, redemption, and rest, and hath his influence through the order of angels, whom the Hebrews name Cherubim, into the sphere of the moon, causing the increase and decrease of all things, and taketh care of the genii, and keepers of men, and distributeth them. His intelligence is Gabriel, who was the keeper of Joseph, Joshua, and Daniel. The tenth name is Adonai Melech, that is Lord and King, his numeration is Malkuth, that is kingdom and empire, and signifieth a church, temple of God, and a gate, and hath his influence through the order of Animastic, viz., of blessed souls, which by the Hebrews is called Isim, that is, nobles, lords, and princes. They are inferior to the hierarchies, and have their influence on the sons of men, and give knowledge and the wonderful understanding of things also industry and prophecy, and the soul of Messiah is president amongst them, or as others say, the intelligence Metatron, which is called the first creature, or the soul of the world, and was the ruler of Moses. Chapter 11. Of the Divine Names and Their Power and Virtues God Himself, though He be only one in essence, yet hath diverse names, which expound not his diverse essences or deities, but certain properties flowing from him, by which names he doth pour down, as it were, by certain conduits on us, and all his creatures, many benefits and diverse gifts. Ten of these names we have above described, which also Hiram reckoneth up to Marcella, Dionysius reckoneth up forty five names of God and Christ, the Meccables of the Hebrews from a certain text of Exodus, derive seventy-two names, both of the angels and of God, which they call the name of seventy-two letters, and shephamphors, that is, the expository. But others proceeding further, out of all places of the Scripture, do infer so many names of God, as the number of those names is. But what they signify is altogether unknown to us. From these, therefore, besides those which we have reckoned up before, is the name of the divine essence, Eheia, which Plato translates, from hence they call God Tuon. Others, Oun, that is the being, who is another name revealed to Esse, signifying the abyss of the Godhead, which the Greeks translate Tauton, the Latins himself the same, Esh. Is another name received from Moses, which soundeth fire, and the name of God Na is to be invocated in perturbations and troubles. There is also the name Aya, and the name Ilion, and the name Makom, the name Kafu, the name Inan, and the name Emeth, which is interpreted truth and is the seal of God. And there are two other names, Zer and Aben. Both of them signify a solid work, and one of them express the Father with the Son, and many more names we have placed above in the scale of numbers. And many names of God and the angels are extracted out of the holy scriptures by the cabalistical calculation. Notarian and Gematrian arts, where many words retracted by certain of their letters make up one name, or one name dispersed by each of its letters signifieth or rendereth more, Sometimes they are gathered from the heads of words, as the name Agla, from this verse of the Holy Scripture, that is a mighty God forever, in like manner the name Ayah, from this verse, that is God our God as one God, in like manner the name Ayava from this verse, that is let there be light, and there was light, in like manner the name Ararita, from this verse, that is one principle of his unity. One beginning of his individuality, his vicissitude is one thing, and this name Hakaba is extracted from this verse, the holy and the blessed one. In like manner, this name Jesu is found in the heads of these two verses, viz., that is, until the Messiah shall come, and the other verse, that is, his name abides till the end. Thus also is the name Amen extracted from this verse, that is, the Lord, the faithful King. Sometimes these names are extracted from the end of the words, as the same name Amen from this verse, that is, the wicked not so, but the letters are transposed. So by the final letters of this verse, that is, to me what, or what is his name, is found the name Tetragrammaton. And all these a letter is put for a word, and a letter extracted from a word, either from the beginning, end, or where you please, and sometimes these names are extracted from all the letters. One by one, even as those 72 names of God are extracted from those three verses of Exodus, beginning from these three words. The first and last verses being written from the right to the left, but the middle contrarywise from the left to the right, as we shall shew hereafter. And so sometimes a word is extracted from a word, or a name from a name, by the transposition of letters, as Messiah, from Isma, and Michael, from Malachi. But sometimes by changing of the alphabet, which the Kabbalists call ziruf, so the name tetragrammaton are drawn forth, maz, paz, kuzu, sometimes also by reason of the equality of numbers, names are changed, as metatron. For sedai, for both of them make 314. So liai and el are equal in number, for both make 31. And these are the hidden secrets concerning which it is most difficult to judge, and to deliver a perfect science. Neither can they be understood and taught in any other language except the Hebrew. But seeing the names of God, as Plato saith in Cratylus, are highly esteemed of the barbarians, who had them from God, without the which we can by no means perceive the true words and names by which God is called. Therefore concerning these we can say no more but those things which God out of his goodness hath revealed to us, for they are the mysteries and conveyances of God's omnipotency, not from men, nor yet from angels, but instituted and firmly established by the Most High God, after a certain manner, with an immovable number and figure of characters and breath, forth the harmony of the Godhead, being consecrated by the divine assistance. Therefore the creatures above fear them, those below tremble at them, the angels reverence, the devils are affrighted. Every creature doth honor, and every religion adore them, the religious observation whereof, and devout invocation with fear and trembling doth yield us great virtue, and even deifies the union, and gives a power to work wonderful things above nature. Therefore we may not for any reason whatsoever change them. Therefore Origen commandeth that they be kept without corruption in their own characters, and Zoroaster also forbiddeth the changing of barbarous and old words. For as Plato saith in Cratylus, All divine words or names have proceeded either from the gods first or from antiquity, whose beginning is hardly known, or from the barbarians. Iamblichus in like manner adviseth, that they may not be translated out of their own language into another. For, saith he, they keep not the same force being translated into another tongue. Therefore these names of God are the most fit and powerful means of reconciling and uniting man with God, as we read in Exodus. In every place in which mention is made of my name, I will be with thee and bless thee. And in the book of Numbers the Lord saith, I will put my name upon the sons of Israel, and I will bless them. Therefore divine Plato in Cratylus and in Philibus commandeth to reverence the names of God more than the images or statues of the gods. For there is a more express image and power of God reserved in the faculty of the mind, especially if it be inspired from above than in the works of men's hands. Therefore sacred words have not their power in magical operations from themselves, as they are words, but from the occult divine powers working by them in the minds of those who by faith adhere to them by which words the secret power of God, as if were through conduit pipes, is transmitted into them, who have ears purged by faith, and by most pure conversation and invocation of the divine names, are made the habitation of God, and capable of these divine influences. Whosoever, therefore, useth rightly these words or names of God with that purity in mind, in that manner and order, as they were delivered, shall both obtain and do many wonderful things, as we read of Medea. Most pleasant sleep she caused, words thrice she spake, the seas appeased, and soon their fury break, which the ancient doctors of the Hebrews have especially observed, who were wont to do many wonderful things by words. The Pythagoreans also have shewed how to cure very wonderfully the diseases both of body and mind, with certain words. We read also that Orpheus, being one of the Argonauts, diverted a most fierce storm by certain words, in like manner that Apollinius, by certain words whispered, raised up a dead maid at Rome, and Philostratus reporteth that some did by certain words call up Achilles ghost and Pausanias relates that in Lydia, in the cities of Hyro Caesarea, and Hypopus were two temples consecrated to the goddess whom they call Persica in both of which, when divine service was ended, a certain magician, after he had laid dried wood upon the altar, in his native language, had sang hymns and pronounced certain barbarous words, out of a book which he held in his hand. Presently the dry wood, no fire being put to it, was seen to be kindled and burned most clearly. Also, Serenus Samonicus delivereth amongst the precepts of physic, that if this name abracadabra be written, as is here expressed, viz. diminishing letter after letter backward, from the last to the first, it will cure the hematuritian fever, or any other, if the sheet of paper or parchment be hanged about the neck, and the disease will by little and little decline and pass away. Abracadabra, abracadabr, abracadab, abracada, abracad, Abraka, abrak, abra, aber, ab, a. Ah. from left to right on an angle, abracadabra to the top. But Rabbi Hama, in his book of speculation, delivereth a sacred seal, more efficacious against any diseases of man, or any griefs whatsoever, in whose four side are the four squared names of God, so subordinated to one another in a square that from the highest to the lowest those most holy names or seals of the Godhead do arise, whose intention is inscribed in the circumferential circle, but on the backside is inscribed the seven-letter name Araritha, and his interpretation is written about viz. the verse from which it is extracted even as you see it here described. The former part, a circle with Hebrew lettering and a square with sixteen squares inside it, and the hinder part, a circle with Hebrew lettering, and a line with Hebrew characters in the middle. But all must be done in the most pure gold, or virgin parchment, pure, clean, and unspotted, also with ink made for this purpose, of the smoke of consecrated wax lights or incense and holy water. The actor must be purified and cleansed by sacrifice, and have an infallible hope, a constant faith, and his mind lifted up to the Most High God, if he would surely obtain this divine power, in like manner, against the affrightments and mischief of evil spirits and men, and what dangers soever, either, of journey, waters, enemies, arms, in the manner as is above said, these characters on the one side, and these on the back side, which are the beginnings and ends of the five first verses of Genesis, and representation of the creation of the world. And by this ligature they say that a man shall be free from all mischiefs. If so, be that he firmly believeth in God, the creator of all things. In the fore part, in the hinder part, circles with the characters. Neither let any distrust or wonder that sacred words applied outwardly can do very much. Neither by them the Almighty God made the heavens and the earth. And further, by experience it is found, as saith Rab Casta ben Luca, that many things not having physical virtues do very much, as, for example, the finger of an abortive child hanged on the neck of a woman hindereth conception, so long as it remaineth there. Moreover, that in diverse sacred words and names of God there is great and divine power, which worketh miracles, Zoroaster, Orpheus, Iamblichus, Synesius, Alkindus, and all the famous philosophers testify. And artapheus both a magician and philosopher, hath written a peculiar book concerning the virtue of words and characters. Origin not inferior to the famousest philosophers, doth maintain against Celsus, that there doth lie hid wonderful virtue in certain divine names. And in the book of Judges the Lord saith, My name which is Pili, Signify with us a worker of miracles, or causing wonders. But the true name of God is known neither to men nor to angels, but to God alone. Neither shall it be manifested, as the holy scriptures testify, before the will of God be fulfilled. Notwithstanding, God hath other names amongst the angels, others amongst us men. For there is no name of God amongst us, as Moses the Egyptian saith, Which is not taken from his works, and signifieth with participation, besides the name Tetragrammaton, which is holy, signifying the substance of the Creator in a pure signification, in which no other thing is partaker with the God the Creator. Therefore it is called the separated name, which is written and not read, neither is it expressed by us, but named and signifieth the second supernal idiom, which is of God and perhaps of angels. In like manner the angels have their name amongst themselves, and in their idiom, which Paul calleth the tongue of angels, concerning which we have very little knowledge with us, but all their other names are taken from their offices and operations, which have not so great efficacy, and therefore the magicians call them by their true names, namely the heavenly ones, which are contained in the Holy Bible. Chapter 12 of the influence of the divine names through all the middle causes into these inferior things. The Most High Creator and First Cause, although He ruleth and disposeth all things, yet distributeth the care of execution to diverse ministers, both good and bad, which John in the Revelations calls assisting and destroying angels, of which the prophet sings elsewhere, The angel of the Lord remains in the presence of them that fear him, that he may preserve them. And elsewhere he describes in missions by evil angels. Now whatsoever God doth by angels as by ministers, the same doth he by heavens, stars, but as it were by instruments, that after this manner all things might work together to serve him, that as every part of heaven and every star doth discern every corner or place of the earth and time species and individual so it is fit that the angelical virtue of that part and star should be applied to them these place time and species whence austin augustine in his book of questions saith every visible thing in this world hath an angelical power appointed for it hence origen on the book of numbers saith the world hath need of angels that may rule the armies of the earth kingdoms provinces men, beasts, the nativity and progress of living creatures, shrubs, plants, and other things, giving them that virtue which is said to be in them from an occult propriety. Much more need is there of angels that may rule holy works, virtues, and men, as they who always see the face of the Most High Father, and can guide men in the right path, and also even the least thing to this place, As fit members of this world in which God, as the chief president, dwelleth, most sweetly disposing all things, not being contained or circumscribed, but containing all things. As John in the Revelations describeth the heavenly city, whose twelve gates are guarded with twelve angels, infusing on them what they receive from the divine name, twelve times revolved, and in the foundations of that city the names of the twelve apostles and the Lamb. For as in the law and the stones of the ephod and foundations of the holy city described by Ezekiel were written the names of the tribes of Israel, and the name of four letters did predominate over them. So in the gospel the names of the apostles are written in the stones of the foundation of the heavenly city, which stones stand for the tribes of Israel and the church over which the name of the Lamb hath influence, that is, the name of Jesus, in which all the virtue of the four-lettered name, seeing that Jehovah the Father hath given him all things. Therefore the heavens receive from the angels that which they dart down, but the angels from the great name of God in Jesu, the virtue whereof is first in God, afterward diffused into these twelve and seven angels by whom it is extended into the twelve signs, and into the seven planets, and consequently into all other ministers and instruments of God, portraying even infinitely. Hence Christ saith, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And after his resurrection saith, In my name they shall cast out devils, and do as followeth, so that the name of four letters is no further necessary. The whole virtue thereof being translated into the name of Jesus, in which only miracles are done. Neither is there any other, as Peter saith, under heaven given unto men, by which they can be saved, but that. But let us not think that by naming Jesus profanely as the name of a certain man we can do miracles by virtue of it, but we must invocate it in the Holy Spirit, with a pure mind and fervent spirit that we may obtain those things which are promised us in him, especially knowledge going before, without which there is no hearing of us, according to that of the prophet. I will hear him because he hath known my name. Hence at this time no favor can be drawn from the heavens, unless the authority, favor, and consent of the name Jesu intervene. Hence the Hebrews and Kabbalists most skillful in the divine names can work nothing after Christ by those old names as their fathers have done long since. And now it is by experience confirmed that no devil nor power of hell which vex and trouble men can resist this name. But will they, nil they, bow the knee and obey, when the name Jesu by a due pronunciation is proposed to them to be worshipped, and they fear not only the name but also the cross? And now it is by experience confirmed that no devil nor power of hell which vex and trouble men can resist this name. But will they, nil they, bow the knee and obey, when the name Jesu by a due pronunciation is proposed to them to be worshipped? And they fear not only the name but also the cross, the seal thereof. And not only the knees of the earthly, heavenly, and hellish creatures are bowed, but also insensible things do reverence it and all tremble at his back. When from a faithful heart and a true mouth the name Jesus is pronounced, and pure hands imprint the salutiferous sign of the cross, neither truly doth Christ say in vain to his disciples, In my name they shall cast out devils, etc., unless there were a certain value expressed in that name over devils and sick folk, serpents and persons and tongues and so forth. Seeing the power which this name hath, is both from the virtue of God the Institutor, and also from the virtue of him who is expressed by this name, and from a power implanted in the very word. Hence it is that, seeing every creature feareth and reverence the name of him who hath made it. Sometimes even wicked and ungodly men, if so be they believe the invocation of divine names of this kind, do bind devils, and operate certain other great things. Chapter 13. Of the Members of God and of Their Influence on Our Members We read in diverse places of the Holy Scripture, of diverse members of God, and ornaments. But by the members of God are understood manifold powers, most simply abiding in God Himself, distinguished amongst themselves by the sacred names of God, but the garments of God and ornaments as it were certain ways and relations, or emanations, or conduit pipes, by the which he diffuseth himself, the hems of which as oft as our minds shall touch, so often the divine power of some member goeth forth. Even as Jesus cried out, concerning the woman with the bloody issue, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive virtue to go forth from me. These members therefore in God are like to ours. But the ideas and exemplars of our members, to the which if we rightly conform our members, then being translated into the same image, we are made the true sons of God, and like to God, doing and working the works of God, therefore concerning the members of God. many things are drawn forth out of the scriptures, for we read of his head in the canticles, thy head as Carmel, and the locks of thy head as the purple of the king. But this Carmel signifieth not the mountain of the sea coast of Syria, but a little creature which engendereth the purple. Also of his eyes, eyelids, and ears, we read in the Psalms, the eyes of the Lord on the just, and his ears to their prayers. His eyes look towards the poor, and his eyelids inquire after the sons of men. Also of his mouth, taste, throat, lips, and teeth, we read in Essay. Thou hast not inquired at my mouth and in the canticles thy throat as the best wine for my beloved that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. There are also nostrils by the which, as we often find in the law, he smelleth the sacrifices for a sweet odour. He hath shoulders, arms, hands, and fingers of the which we read an essay: The government is laid upon his shoulders. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And the kingly prophet singeth, Thy hands, O the Lord, have made me and fashioned me, and I will behold the heavens, the work of thy fingers. He hath also a right and left hand. Hence the psalmist saith, The Lord saith to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. And of the left we read, In the gospel, on which the damned shall be placed at the last day. Further we read of the heart, breast, back, and back parts of God as in the book of Kings, that God found David, a man according to his own heart. We read also in the gospel his breast upon which the disciples sleeping conceived divine mysteries, and the psalmist describeth his back in the paleness of gold. And he himself saith in Jeremiah, I will shew my back and not my face in the day of their perdition. And he saith to Moses, Thou shalt see my back parts of his feet. The psalmist also saith, Darkness under his feet and in Genesis he is said to walk to the south. In like manner also we read of the garments and ornaments of God, as with the psalmist. The Lord hath reigned, he hath put on beauty, clothed with light as with a garment. And elsewhere thou hast put on comeliness and beauty, the abyss as a garment and as clothing. And in Ezekiel the Lord speaketh, saying, I spread my garment over thee, and cover thy nakedness. Moreover, also we read of the rod, staff, sword, and buckler of God, as in the psalmist, Thy rod and thy staff, they have comforted me. His truth hath compassed thee about as with a shield, and in Deuteronomy we read of the sword of his glory. and very many of this sort the sacred word declares to us, from which members and divine ornaments there is no doubt, but that our members and all things about us and all our works are both ruled directed, preserved, governed, and also censured, as the prophet saith. He hath put my foot upon a rock, and directed my goings, and elsewhere he saith, Blessed be the Lord my God, who teacheth my hand to war, and my fingers to fight. And of his mouth he saith, The Lord hath put a new song into my mouth. And elsewhere our Savior saith, I will give you a mouth and wisdom, and of the hair he saith, And hair of your head shall not perish, and in another place the hairs of your head are numbered. For the Almighty God, seeing He would have us to be His images and like to Himself, hath framed members, limbs, and figures after many ways laid open in us, according to the similitude of His hidden virtues, as it were signs keeping the same order and proportion to them. Whence the mukhables of the Hebrews say, that if a man capable of the divine influence do make any member of his body clean and free from filthiness, then it become habitale and proper seat of the secret limb of God, and of the virtue to the which the same name is ascribed, so that if that member want anything, the name being invocated, whence it dependeth it is presently heard effectually, according to that I will hear him, because he hath known my name. And these are the great and hidden mysteries concerning which it is not lawful to publish more. Chapter 14. Of the gods of the Gentiles, and souls of the celestial bodies, and what places were consecrated in times past, and to what deities. The philosophers have maintained, as we have showed before, that the heavens and stars are divine animals, and their souls intellectual, participating of the divine mind and they aver that some separated substances are superior, others inferior to them, as it were governing and serving, which they call intelligences and angels. Moreover, Plato himself affirmed that celestial souls are not confined to their bodies, as our souls to our bodies, but to be, where they will, and also that they rejoice in the vision of God and without any labor or pains do rule and move their bodies, and together in moving them do easily govern these inferior things. Therefore they often called the souls of this kind gods, and appointed divine honors for them, and dedicated prayers and sacrifices to them, and did worship them with divine worship. And these are the gods to the which all people are attributed, concerning which Moses commanded in Deuteronomy, saying, Least perchance your eyes being lifted up to heaven, Thou shouldest see the sun, the moon, and all the stars of heaven, and being turned back, shouldest adore and worship them, to which all the nations are subjected, which are under the heaven. But the Lord Jehovah hath taken and brought you forth from the furnace of Egypt, that thou shouldest be an hereditary people to himself. And in the same book, chapter 17, he calleth the sun, moon, and stars gods, the doctors of the Hebrews upon that place of Genesis, where it is said that Abraham gave gifts to the son of the concubines, viz Shemoth, Stotoma, that is strange names, but left Isaac heir of all that he possessed, say, that the sons of the concubines were not in the blessing of Abraham, given to Jehovah, the Most High Creator, but to strange gods and deities, but that Isaac and his seed were given to the omnipotent Jehovah and in no part to any strange deities. Therefore they are upbraided in Deuteronomy, because they served strange gods, and worshipped them they knew not, and to whom they were not given, and also Joshua-nave. After that the people were brought into the land of promise, their enemies overcome, and the lots of the possessions of Israel distributed, gave the people leave to choose that god whom they would worship, saying, Leave is given you this day to choose whom you will especially serve whether the gods which your fathers served in Mesopotamia, or the gods of the Amorites, whose land you inhabit. But the people answered, We will serve the Lord Jehovah, and he shall be our God. Joshua said to them, Ye cannot do it, for the Lord Jehovah is holy, strong, and jealous. But the people persevering to serve Jehovah, he saith to them, Ye are witness yourselves, that ye have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. Take away therefore strange gods out of the midst of you, and incline your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. And he erected a great stone, saying, This stone shall be for a witness, lest perhaps afterwards you will deny and lie to the Lord your God. Therefore the other gods to which the other nations were given were the sun, moon, twelve signs, and other celestial bodies, and divine fabrics, yet not as they were bodies, but as the soul adhereth to them. And the whole militia of heaven, which Jeremy calls the Queen of Heaven, that is, the power by which the heaven is governed, viz., the soul of the world, of which Jeremy saith, The sons gather sticks, and part thereof maketh a fire, and the women mingle oil, that they might make a cake for the Queen of Heaven. Neither was the worship of Dulia to this queen and other celestial souls prohibited them, but of Latria only which they that gave are reproved of the Lord. But the names of these souls or gods we have declared, but to what regions, people, and cities they were ascribed as proper and tutelar gods. Origen, Tertullian, Apuleius, Diodorus, and very many other historians partly relate to us. Therefore all people worship their gods with their proper ceremonies, the Boeotians, Amphiaris, the Africans, Mopsus, the Egyptians, Osiris and Isis, the Ethiopians who inhabit Mero, Jupiter and Bacchus, the Arabians, Bacchus and Venus, the Scythians, Minerva, the Naucratians, Serapis, the Syrians, Atargates, the Arabians, Diaphores, and the Africans Celestus, the Nornians, Tabilinus, and Italy also by the free cities consecration, Delventius, was the god of the Trastamazians, Viridanius of the Narvinsians, Ucaria of the Asculins, Narcia of the Volsians, Valentia of the Otriculans, Nortia of the Sutrinians, Curis of the Felicians, These especially were famous. The Latians did adore with the highest worship Mars, the Egyptians Isis, and the Moors Ayuba. The Macedonians, Cabrius, the Carthaginians, Uranus, the Latins, Faunus, the Romans, Quirinus, the Sabines, Sangus, the Athenians, Minerva, Samos Juno, Paphos Venus, Lemnos Vulcan, Naxos Bacchus, Delphos Apollo, and as Ovid singeth in his Fasti, Athens Dupallas, Crete, Diana implore, The Islands Lemnos, Vulcan doth adore the Spartans, Juno. The Carthaginians and Leucadians did worship Saturn, Crete, Piraeus, Homo, Ida, Ellis, and Libya. Jupiter, where was his oracle, Epirus, Latium, Nidus, Lycia, Pisa, Macedonia, Mars. The Thermidonians, Scythians, and Thracia, the Sun. The Scythians did worship only one god, sacrificing an horse to him. The same also the Heliopolitans and Assyrians did worship, and under the name of Apollo, the Rhodians, Hyperboreans, and Milesians, and the mountains Parnassus, Phasilus, Synthus, Soraketi, were holy to him, and the islands Delos, Cleros, Tenidos, and Malwa, a place in the Isle Lesbos, and the Grinean grove or town besides the cities Patara, Chrysa, Terapnus, Syrah, Delphos, Orifina, and Trossi and Tigria. Also Thebes, the island Naxos, Nice, a city of Arabia, Calicoros, a river of Paphlagonia, were consecrated to him under the name of Bacchus and Dionysus. Also Parnassus and Cytoros, mountains of Boeotia, in which every second year by course the Feast of Bacchanalia were kept. Also, the Thamaritans, a people neighbors to the Hyrcanians, did worship Bacchus with their own ceremonies. The Assyrians first of all introduced the worship of Venus, then the Paphians in Cyprus and Phoenicians and Cytherians, whom, as Aegis reports, the Athenians followed. Amongst the Lacedaemonians, Venus Armatha was worshipped. At Delphos, Venus Epitibia, was also adored of the cones and in Amaphus, an island of the Aegean Sea, and in Memphis, a city of Egypt, and in Nido, and Sicilia, and in the Adalian Grove, and the city Hypepa, and Eris, a mountain of Sicilia, and in Caledonia, Cyrene, and Samos, and no deity of the old gods, Aristotle being witness, is reported to have been worshipped with greater ceremonies, and in more places. The French did especially worship Mercury, calling him to Taites. So also the Arcadians, Hermopolites, Egyptians, and Memphites. The Scythians about Mount Taurus did worship the moon under the name of Diana. And in Ephesus, she had a most stately temple. And in Mycena, after the death of Thontes, king of Torica, her image being stolen away by Iphigenia and Orestes, she was worshipped nigh Aresia. The rite of ceremonies being changed, she was worshipped likewise by the Magnesians, a people of Thalicia, and in Pisa, a city of Accia, and in Tiber, and the Aventinum, a Roman hill, and in Persia, a city of Pamphylia, and in Agras, in the kingdom of Attica. And the Catanean people are reported to have worshipped the moon under the masculine sex. There were also other places consecrated to other deities, as to Pallas, who was called Minerva, or consecrated Athens, the mountains Piraeus, Arachthinus, the river Tritonese, and Alcominum, a city of Boeotia, and Neo, one of the islands of the Cyclades. The holy places of Ceres are Eleusia, Attica, Enna, and Catana, cities of Cilicia, and Mount Etna. The chief worship to Vulcan was in the island of Lemnos and in Imbres, an island of Thracia and Theresia, an island consecrated to Vulcan and also Sicilia. Vesta was the goddess of the Trojans, whom runaway Aeneas carried into Italy, and to her are given the Phrygians Idea and Dindymus, mountains of Phrygia, and Rhaetum, the city of Umbria, also the mountain Berecynthus and Pessinutium city of Phrygia, the cities Carthage, Prosena, Arhos, and Mycena worshipped Juno, also the island Samos and the people of Felicia, Orchestus, a city of Boeotia, and Tenatus, a promontory of Laconia, were consecrated to Neptune, and the Trasinian nation and city were under the protection of Neptune. Of this sort, therefore, were the gods of the nations, which did rule and govern them, which Moses himself in Deuteronomy calleth gods of the earth, to which all nations were attributed, not signifying others than the heavenly stars and their souls. Chapter 15 What our theologians think concerning the celestial souls? That the heavens and the heavenly bodies are animated with certain divine souls is not only the opinion of poets and philosophers, but also the assertion of the sacred scriptures, and of the Catholics, for Ecclesiastes also describeth the soul of heaven. And Jerome upon the same expressly confess it. In like manner, Origen, in his book of principles, seemeth to think that celestial bodies are animated, because they are said to receive commands from God, which is only agreeable to a reasonable nature for it is written, I have enjoyed a command on all the stars. Moreover, Job seemeth to have fully granted that the stars are not free from the stain of sin. For there we read, the stars also are not clean in his sight, which cannot verily be referred to the brightness of their bodies. Moreover, that the celestial bodies are animated, even Eusebius and Pamphylian thought, and also Austin, Augustine, in his Encridian. But of the latter writers, Albertus Magnus in his book of four co-equals, and Thomas Aquinas in his book of spiritual creatures, and John Scott upon the second of the sentences, to these the most learned Cardinal Nic Cousanus may be added. Moreover, Aurelius himself in a strong disputation doth convince these things, who moreover thinketh it not strange that the heavenly bodies are worshipped with the worship of Dulia, and that their suffrages and helps are implored. To whom also Thomas himself consenteth, unless the occasion of idolatry should hinder this rite, moreover, Plotinus maintaineth that they know our wishes and hear them. but if any one would contradict these and account them sacrilegious tenets, let him hear Austin Augustine, in his Encriion, and in his book of Retractions, and Thomas in the second book against the Gentiles and in his quodlibets and scotus upon the sentences, and guelimus, perizinsus, and his sum of the universe, who unanimously answer, that to say the heavenly bodies are animated or inanimated, nothing belongeth to the Catholic faith. Therefore, although it seemeth to many ridiculous that the souls themselves be placed in the spheres and stars, as it were the gods of the nations, everyone doth govern his regions, cities, tribes, people, nations and tongues yet it will not seem strange to those who rightly understand it thank you for listening to this sample to continue listening to this book and for access to all of our other full audiobooks please subscribe for 777 per month go to adultbrain.ca or follow the link in the show notes This will be a completely separate podcast with a new RSS feed and will have all the titles from this feed as well. Thank you for your help and support in bringing rare and forgotten books to audio for the world.